You're listening to the Gamer Feedback. What's going on, gamers? Jersey Devil here for the Gamer Feedback, and this is my favorite time of the year because it is E3 wrap-up time. Uh, We are going to break down all of the major players' big press conferences that went on over at E3 this year uh, and also issue up a a grade for each of them to see how they did, Uh, talk about what what we enjoyed, what we didn't really enjoy, Uh, and we got some feedback in from Decommutate, couldn't be here today, but he gave us his two cents, uh, as well as uh, some other people that I know around the video game world that weighed in and gave their opinions, as well as some of the stuff that you have uh, weighed in on on our Facebook page. So let's just jump right in and get right to it. The first big press conference from E3 this year was from Electronic Arts. Good old EA. Uh, EA always has seems to get a good rep or a bad rep, depending on who you ask, especially when it comes to uh, hammering in those DLCs and things like that. But uh, their, their major talking points and their big games that they unveiled at E3, uh, we'll start with Anthem. Now, Anthem is Bioware EA's brand new game over at their Edmonton office. Uh, and from what we saw in the gameplay trailer, it's largely uh, players addressing going into these, uh, the, the characters go into these mobile suits, essentially. They're called javelins, and they allowed them to do various things like diving underwater, exploring hazardous terrain, that kind of thing. Um, aside from that, we didn't get a whole lot of information regarding the game, and I know it's a Bioware game, and honestly, I'm as big of a Bioware fanboy as you're about to find out of anybody. That being said, I wasn't really impressed. I mean, it was visually stunning. You know, the the trailers are visually amazing, but I've learned, and it might just be the fact that I'm just this jaded gamer over the past, you know, 30 years I've been playing video games, uh, is not to take things at face value when it comes to the visuals, because a lot of times what happens in the game and what you get presented in these trailers aren't exactly amazing. So I take that with a grain of salt, and there really wasn't a whole lot aside from just that little teaser that we got. So I'm kind of hoping that we saw more from Anthem, and I'm going to watch it. And honestly, you know, I'm a, like I said, I'm a Bioware fan. I'm going to definitely be picking it up. I'm going to be playing the game. Uh, but we'll see where it goes, you know, eventually when it does get released. The second trailer that they showed, Battlefront 2. Now, this is something I am very firmly invested in. Uh, the gameplay trailer looks absolutely amazing. Again, visually stunning. Uh, what... The big talking points here, and the reason why I enjoyed the Battlefront 2 press reveal, I enjoyed that they have come out and they've said that any post-launch content will be free. You don't need to buy extra maps or game modes or things like that. They've come out and they said, these are going to be free post-launch, and that is a huge plus to me. The other huge plus is uh, I'm also on top of being a big Bioware fanboy. I'm a big Star Wars fan. Uh, So the fact that they are coming out with a single player campaign that is officially made canon, uh, I think is really awesome and really cool to check out uh, and definitely worth my time. So I'm definitely hyped for Battlefront 2. Now, EA also showed various trailers from their sports franchises, FIFA, Madden, uh, and, you know, they're your basic sports games. I don't get too much into detail with the sports games, and the most, the biggest reason why uh, is I'm not very keen on the sports games, per se. Uh, They do look amazing, and I'm sure the big, you know, fanboys of Madden and FIFA are going to be all about it. I'm sure they'll be fantastic games, so I'm not going to dock them or add them points based on that. But there was one particular game that looked somewhat interesting to me, uh, and that is uh, Need for Speed Payback. 
This is a uh, some kind of, uh, you know, it's obviously a sequel off of Need for Speed, uh, and they preach a lot of customizability with your cars, so depending on how you customize it will determine if your car can, you know, muscle other cars off the road, or how fast they can travel, things like that. The gameplay trailer looked kind of interesting, I felt the voice acting was kind of meh, but, uh, you know, aside from those things, I'm very impressed with it. It looks like it could definitely be at least a very fun rental uh, and uh, we'll definitely be picking that up eventually, and I'll be probably writing a review on it uh, over at the good old world of the gamer feedback. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to point out, and this is more of an indie game that EA's you know putting out with, uh, is a way out. And this game looks absolutely fascinating to me it's a um, multiplayer it's a co-op local co-op game so split screen style uh, and you're basically playing two characters that are trying to essentially bust out of this prison um, I like this because there's several ways you can go about completing your goal and whatever the mission is that you need to get to work towards being able to bust out uh, but I also enjoy how you know one player can go in initiate a cutscene and they're in in an interactive style cutscene similar to that like of uh, um, Quantic Dream games like Heavy Rain, Indigo Prophecy, uh, Two Souls, that kind of thing. But while they're interacting with these characters and in these cutscenes, the other player's going around doing other stuff too. So they're playing essentially at the same time in real time. Uh, and I think that has a very huge potential. I think that's really neat uh, and something definitely worth checking out. All in all, EA EA was EA. You know, you're either going to love them or you're going to hate them. Uh, I was very impressed with EA's press conference, and uh, as a final grade for it, especially with how A Way Out seems like it's going to be a very big game changer, a very interesting game to watch, uh, I give it a solid B for their press conference there. I thought that was really neat. Next up, one of the big console developers, we get Microsoft. Now... Microsoft set a lot of their time aside for uh, their new console that they've announced. Everyone knows about it by now. It's called the Xbox One X. Uh, everyone's like, wow, that name is pretty lame. I tend to agree. However, if you an acronym Xbox One X, it's literally Xbox. So, I mean, it's kind of like a little bit of an inception deal, I guess. So, hey, that's cool. That being said... The Xbox One X is a new console set to run, and they've come out and they've claimed that their games will be able to run at 4K high definition, 60 frames per second. Glorious. Uh, it will be able to play 4K HD movies, and a lot of 4K players are upwards of very expensive. Uh, even right now today, with 4K technology being out for a good couple of years now, it's still very, you know... <clears throat> rare to come by, very expensive to get. They haven't really dropped that much in price recently. <clears throat> but the Xbox One X's cost $500. Now, they showed Forza Motorsport 7 accomplishing that 4K at 60 frames per second. Uh, they didn't really have a console there. It was just basically a trailer showing it. So that's initially what I feel, you know, and, and honestly, if you're going to preach this for a console, I want to be able to see a console, insert the game disc into the console and play the game so I can see for myself. Because if you just show me a video of it, it's hard to, you know, believe that, for me at least. Uh, you know, especially when you're Microsoft who can run things off of PC very easily, right? I honestly, 
as far as Xbox One X goes, if you haven't bought and uh, purchased a Xbox new current generation console, this could totally be worth it. You know, this could be your chance to jump in. Uh, it's not as compatible with the Connect, which is kind of like a big, you know, frowny face for me because when you first came out with the console Xbox One, you pretty much initially when they started the advertisements, they said that it was mandatory. You had to have the Connect. It had to have your facial recognition. You had to be online all the time. There was this big, huge fallout from the fan base saying, "Whoa, whoa, this is kind of ridiculous." Uh, so they scaled it back somewhat so it was optional. But now, if you want to connect your Xbox Connect into your Xbox One X, you're apparently going to need a special USB adapter for it. It doesn't come with a port just for the Connect. So I feel like they're kind of drifting away from Connect technology, and it's kind of counterinducive. Like you're pretty much flip flopping in your current generation. Like if you came out with a new console entirely, I can see not having to do anything to do with Connect. But you're pretty much just turning the corner and saying, you know, never mind, we feel like this was a bad idea, we don't have any confidence in this, and I mean, and honestly, they don't really have any games for the Kinect out recently, aside from, like, your Just Dance-style games, uh, but th that's mostly about it. Honestly, I also don't think that even with the, the specs that, that they've shown us, there's no way you're going to be able to run all of their games 4k at 60 frames per second i just don't see that as a possibility and i know that i'm not the only one with this concern if they prove me wrong hey great i will go ahead and eat write down i was wrong and eat it with you know some salty water because of how salty i am over this uh, but i just don't think they have even with optimized specifications that Microsoft can have. I don't I don't see that. I see a lot of frame rate issues with games, especially online. Uh, I just don't think that they can run that based off of what the specifications for the console are on most titles. Like Forza, it's not that very heavily intensive, so you can make it as beautiful as you want. The gameplay is pretty simple. There's not as much action going on in, say, like an Overwatch or a Rocket League or something like that. It's going to be interesting to see if they can actually deliver on that hype. Now, one thing that I am very hyped about with the Xbox uh, Microsoft uh, press conference release was uh, the game Dragon Ball Fighter Z. This looks like a game that uses uh, the engine from Guilty Gear XR'd, uh, which is an outstanding fighting game, especially they just recently in recent months came out with a remake, a reversion of it that's even better than the original. And it's, you know, based around Dragon Ball fighting. So, I mean, you, you can't go wrong with that, right? So I'm very stoked about Dragon Ball Fighter Z. It blew everyone away. It blew me away, you know, and I'm not the biggest Microsoft fan in the world. I'll level with you. The only reason why I got an Xbox One in the first place was to transfer my songs over from Rock Band 3 to Rock Band 4 to the next generation. Uh, but this game is definitely something I'm interested in getting. Now, they also released a series of exclusives. And honestly, with these exclusives, because uh, they wanted to try to make their own brand, and I think that's something that Sony has always had over Microsoft, is that their exclusive games are just better, leaps and bounds. You know, Xbox, you have your Halo, you have your Gears of War, and it almost it feels like it ends there. You know, there's not a lot that really jumps out at you. You know, Sony has a lot in the exclusive uh, library right now. And uh, I think Microsoft is trying to come around and come out with more exclusive games. 
And uh, one of those exclusive games is a, the game called Sea of Thieves, which is a multiplayer game where you and a bunch of friends get together and you pretty much play pirate. You get a butt ship, you can go around, pillage, treasure, shoot down other ships, do what you will. It looks like it could be a lot of fun based on the gameplay that we saw. It looks like a bunch of people just having a good old time playing it. And it looks like it'd be just one of those games you play over the weekend. You're drinking with your friends and just having a good old drunken, you know, pirate night. It looks like it could be a lot of fun. Uh, aside from that, a lot of the other exclusives just seems kind of bland and uninteresting. And, you know, a lot of them look very very Indian nature. Like there's a lot of eight bit and retro style visuals for these kinds of games that they're trying to come out with exclusives. And they're trying to get more of an indie developer presence, which is great. But if you're going to sell a console that is claiming to run 4k HD, you're going to want a lot of games that will look amazing in 4k HD. I mean, eight bit games, you can only make them look so good. You know what I mean? Uh, especially with that kind of visual art style. Uh, and you know, I want to see more like of the Forza with the car scrapes along the side of the car and, and how absolutely detailed and stunning everything is. So hopefully they'll come out with more of them. The other game that looked kind of interesting from Microsoft's end is the State of Decay 2. Uh, multiplayer style uh, zombie survival uh, where, you know, you need to be in a group to be able to survive. I want to see how that plays out. I'll be following that very closely. Aside from that, since I already have an Xbox One and if you already have one, if you want to make the jump and trade it up, you know, you might get it for 400 instead of 500, but there's not much in line of exclusives that really jump out and make me want to take the nosedive right at launch. Like it could be something you get after a while after they come out, if they continue to nurture and develop their indie and exclusive develop uh, game content. But aside from those, I can't really justify spending the money on that. Uh, especially if you have any kind of decent computer rig, because if you're a part of the PC kids, Microsoft will likely release some of these or most of these exclusives onto Windows anyway. So there's no real point to jump ahead and do that, at least, you know, in my opinion, how I've seen things. So all in all, Microsoft had a pretty good, you know, conference, nothing outstanding, nothing amazing, but enough to really just pique your interest on a few things and hopefully they'll be able to deliver on a lot of those promises and if they can run games all of their games 4k hd 60 frames per second hey i will go ahead and publicly admit that i was wrong here but i just don't buy that happening all in all microsoft gets a c plus moving on we have bethesda now a lot of people came out after the bethesda press conference and they weren't impressed. They thought that Bethesda was arguably the worst in the entire conference during the entire weekend for E3. And I kind of disagree a lot of different points. I can see where people are coming from, you know. And there's one very big glaring thing that Bethesda did that really makes me angry. And we'll get to that. But let's talk about the games that they're coming out with, okay? The first big thing uh, I'm talking about is the Dishonored 2 DLC uh, where you're actually trying to track and assassinate the outsider, which is this myth, myst, you know, mysterious figure that appears in the both Dishonored games. It looks like it could be very interesting uh, for a DLC anyway. It'll be interesting to see what the price point is, because that's going to be a huge component in whether or not I decide to buy that or not. Uh, but uh, it looks okay. I felt Dishonored 2 was kind of meh, more of the same, nothing really jumping out and being amazing. Uh, I appreciated the fact that you could play through the game twice as different characters, but 
it's felt like a grind after a while. It felt very repetitive over time. And it just, you know, at the, towards the end of the game, I'm like, can we just please get this over with? I want to get this game over. You know, I want this done. The game that I really enjoyed from their release was Wolfenstein, the new Colossus. Now I was a huge fan of the Wolfenstein remake that came out in the new order. It was one of my favorite first-person shooters. We At Gamer Feedback, we all enjoyed it. We actually named it uh, Action Game of the Year. I believe it won Game of the Year in the year it came out as well. So we're really excited and hyped for this sequel. And it looks like it's going to be more of the same, which is not a bad thing. I actually enjoy and hope that they continue that formula because when you have a game like that that came out, it kept your interest. Uh, it kept me, you know intrigued it kept me wanting to keep playing it kept me having me move forward and at the end of the game i didn't feel like i was getting bored of it so if they're going to continue the formula with a sequel that does that continues that kind of train of thought i'm okay with that i hope it doesn't get to a point where it's just you know content for content's sake and it does get stale and boring or if it does that they change it up ever so slightly just to make it kind of fresh uh, but the story looks actually really interesting. Uh, I never thought I would care about a Wolfenstein or a Doom style story, but you know, Wolfenstein definitely looks really cool with the story mode and where it's going. Uh, and uh, a returning antagonists, you know, and and good old BJ, he's always there for fun games. Uh, so we'll see where it goes with New Colossus. I have a lot of hope for it. Uh, the other game that looked very cool was The Evil Within 2. Now, when the first one came out, I played it and I reviewed it uh, on the Gamer Feedback. And I felt that the game did an outstanding job of being a good horror move game. It was, it was you know, very thrilling, a lot of intensive, good jump scares. Uh, and, and those are things that are pretty hard to do in a horror game, in my opinion. So it's really hard to kind of, you know, incorporate all of that. The trailer that was shown with The Evil Within 2 looks absolutely creepy and unsettling and that's what i think a lot of horror games that come out they miss the mark on you know you can have your jump scares you know doom was a good example where you know especially doom 3 you open a door oh you know a monster jumps out from behind the door it's a jump scare great awesome by the time you know the thousandth time that's happened it loses its luster evil within is creating this atmosphere where you're generally cautious you know if i'm playing a horror game and i am taking 10 minutes to cross a room that's when you know you're making something right that's when you're doing a great job with a horror game and the evil within 2 looks like it could follow that pretty well uh, so we'll see how that goes i'm very excited for this game i've always been a fan of horror style games uh everyone's read my reviews and comments on pt uh we have a review coming out soon for friday the 13th the game games like that hopefully the evil within will be a good solid scary style uh, of a game the other thing that Bethesda really focused heavily on in their press conference was a lot of VR style game. They're bringing a lot of games to VR, virtual reality. Uh, and those are games like Doom, Skyrim, and Fallout 4. I'm really excited for all of these things because eventually I'm going to purchase a Vive. It's going to happen. I want one. Uh, I just need to be able to save my pennies on this meager salary that I make in my real big boy job. Uh, but eventually I'm going to get that. I've optimized my PC for it. It is ready. It just needs the hardware. Uh, and these are games that I think, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, well, why are we getting more Skyrim? It's been out for six years. And oh, Fallout, great. How original. We've already played and beat this game already. Same with Doom. But if you're going to VR, it's kind of like this new technology. It's this new thing that's just starting to have a mainstream presence. And I feel that if you're going to come out with VR style games, 
you're going to want to front load it with already established good games. You know, nobody wants to put in that extra effort to create a VR game where it's a very niche market right now and then have it fail. So if you already have pre-existing great games like Fallout 4 and Skyrim, it's totally worth converting it to VR. That's so I'm, I'm totally on board with this idea. I'm also on board with the fact that you can mod these VR games. Now, everyone gives Skyrim a ton of crap right now. Like, oh, great, more Skyrim. I've been playing it for, you know, six years. You've been playing Skyrim for six years. That should say something about the game, right? It's really compelling. It's really fun. And the big reason why is mods. Modding the game. You want to be a Jedi in Skyrim? You can do that. You want to fight monster crabs in Skyrim? You can do that. You want to make it with Thomas the Tank Engine? You can do that. Uh, so a lot of these great modders in the modding community come together. They make great high-definition textures over the vanilla game. Uh, you know, there's just this big sequence of how mods work. Uh, I've been playing Skyrim since essentially release, and it's definitely a game that's had the most staying power of any single player game I have ever played ever, so much so that I have yet to beat Skyrim. I continue to play it and download new quests from mods and things like that, and they're all really well done. The modding community does a fantastic job. Bethesda tried to cash in on this once, saying that they tried to do mods as a pay-only kind of system. It was very emphatically rejected. But now it seems like they're going to do this again for their VR-style games. And that is what really set this whole thing crashing down for me, and the reason why I feel a lot of gamers are angry with the Bethesda uh, comments in their, in their press conference, <clears throat> was that they're going to be charging for these mods into your community club creations. I think something along those lines is what it was called. I'm not really impressed with it. Uh, here's the good and the bad with it. I mean, obviously the bad is that you're going to have to pay for mods. Nobody wants to do that. I would rather it just be called DLC, and if you have several good examples of it and just sell them as a package deal, okay. Uh, I still wouldn't buy them. I would still go take my normal Skyrim that I have and just roll with that. Uh, but it's also for consoles, because obviously you're not going to be able to get around PCs, because PCs just have that edge because you can modify your own files by yourself on your PC where you can't really go into a console and do that. So I feel that that's a big bonus for the PC master race in that regard. The other thing about it uh, and the good thing about it is the mods that do come out with it are bound to be very high quality because it's going to make you want to sit there and go, yes, I do want to purchase this mod. This mod is totally worth buying. Uh, so you know you're only going to get the high-quality ones, and only the high-quality ones are going to make the cut. So you're, if you're some for some reason into the fact of paying for mods, and I feel that we are spoiled in the sense that you know we're so used to getting them for free, but if you're going to pay for them, I would make darn sure that they're worth buying in the first place. So all in all with those things and that huge thing, that, that was a big strike for me with the whole paying for mod system. We're just going to have to see how that works out, but... I agree with most of the gaming community. Bethesda, definitely the weakest showing at E3, and I give it a solid C-. It just wasn't great for me. You know, they had all they had me on the right notes. They were hitting all the right notes, and then that last note just fell so far flat, it just ruins the entire symphony at that point. All right. Next, we have Ubisoft. Ubisoft is another one of those gaming companies that people like to crap all over because of their 
you know, sign on to Ubisoft Club and have your own Ubisoft account and, you know, DLC, DLC, bye, bye, bye. So it's kind of, okay, whatever. Um, but they had a great conference this year. You know, they kind of blew me away. Uh, Assassin's Creed Origins looks absolutely amazing. It should be a very solid game, especially if it follows the same formula as previous games. Uh, I mean, it's Assassin's Creed. You can't go wrong with that. The setting looks different, new, visually amazing. We'll see how that goes. Uh, another game that's similar like that is the sequel to the Stick of Truth, South Park, The Fractured, but whole. Uh, say that really fast and you get the joke. But, yeah, it's in the same boat. You know, it's going to be funny. It'll be a very fun game. I have no doubts it's going to be a very solid title for Ubisoft. The game that surprised a lot of people is the long-awaited release of Beyond Good and Evil 2. Now, Decommutate did a lot of my feedback that I'm about to say for you guys, because I had not played Beyond Good and Evil before, and apparently he told me that I have to, uh, because it is an outstanding game, according to him. In his words, he's super hyped for Beyond Good and Evil 2. Um, it looks visually amazing, the story looks fantastic, and it makes me want to circle back and you know, find out what the hull, the hubbub is about, but apparently it's been this game that has had all this hype and has been in kind of development hell for a number of years now, but we're finally getting it. And from what I've seen from the trailer, it looks stunning. It looks amazing. I'm very excited for this. I definitely want to pick this up, uh, potentially right at launch day. The Crew 2. This game is weird. Um, the Crew 1 wasn't that well received from the reviews that I've noticed. I hadn't played it myself, but it seems like it's this over-the-top, crazy, ridiculous racing game, but you can race airplanes against cars. I mean, the trailer coming from somebody who is not familiar with the series left me asking a metric crap ton of questions, right? And I think that's kind of, you know, and then if you've played the crew the first The Crew game, uh, you would probably understand more, and I'm sure there's more to understand here, but just coming from an outsider's perspective of having not played the first game, I don't kind of get it. I really don't get it at all. Uh, we'll watch it, and I'm sure once we get some real gameplay in there, I'll get to understand a little bit more about it, but until then, uh, it's just kind of, okay, great, The Crew 2, this looks kind of ridiculous. It looks like it could be fun to play for a little while, but I don't think it's something that I'm going to just run out and get. But following in the same suit as the Microsoft exclusive pirate game, uh, Ubisoft is coming out with their own. It's called Skull and Bones. It's another pirate game. Uh, it seems to have a much more serious tone than the Sea of Thieves game that Microsoft put out. It seems much more serious. Um, and it's going to be kind of, I guess, how you preference it. It looks like it has more of a campaign and a linear storyline that will get you attached uh, as opposed to more sandbox and open world that Sea of Thieves offers. So I guess it's kind of like a preference thing. Uh, all in all, these games look really good, kind of amazing, albeit kind of crazy if you're the crew too. But these games look absolutely amazing and I'm kind of impressed that Ubisoft kind of blew me away the way that they did uh, at this press conference. I was just kind of shocked. So uh, Ubisoft, hey man, well done. You get a solid B plus from me. All right, we get to Sony. Sony banked their entire press conference on exclusive games. 
And let me tell you the exclusive games they released. Are you ready for this? It's going to be ridiculous. I mean, let's just talk about it. God of War, Detroit Become Human, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, Days Gone, Spider-Man, PSVR Games, Shadow, you know, Star Child, Bravo Team, Shadow of Colossus Remake, a Monster Hunter game. And that's not even counting the fact that they didn't have any kind of updates on The Last of Us 2, Kingdom Hearts 3, or Final Fantasy 7, the remake. PlayStation is blowing away the exclusive market right now. They have the best exclusive games, you know, and the greatest volume of them. Just this past year, of course, we had Horizon Zero Dawn, which, by the way, is getting a DLC that they unveiled at the press conference, and it looks really good. Uh, they had, you know, The Last of Us 1, Nio, you know, all outstanding exclusive titles, only to PS4, and it's making the PC kids very angry, you know, if I didn't have a PS4, I would be angry because these games are phenomenal. So I'll start with God of War. I've never been a huge fan of the God of War series personally. Uh, I felt that it's just kind of mindless hacking and slashing and okay, great. You know, it's very messy. And if you're into that kind of thing, hey, it's a great beat-em-up style game. This God of War game, however, looks absolutely amazing because it focuses more of a storyline. It gives Kratos, the character, the title character... A lot more personality, a lot more depth, instead of just mindless, I have this one target, this one goal to achieve, I'm very one-dimensional, I beat stuff up, I kill things, I move on, I become really powerful. Uh, so I really enjoy the dimension that it incorporates with Kratos' son and how he's trying to protect him while also being crazy McBadass. The gameplay still appears to be there, so if you were a fan of the previous God of War beat-em-up style games, you should feel right at home, it looks like, with this game. Uh, and, uh, I'm actually really excited about this game and it might actually turn the tide for me to be more of a God of War fan than I had been previously. Uh, Uncharted, The Lost Legacy. This follows Chloe Frazier, who I always felt that was a much better character than Elena is. Uh, she's just more of an interesting character. Elena is just clearly the love interest, very kind of one-dimensional to me. Chloe had more mixed motives and is a much more compelling character, in my opinion, uh, throughout the Uncharted series. So I'm excited to see an actual spin-off game featuring her. And if it follows the same formula as Uncharted 4, it's just as visually stunning, which it looked like in the trailer, you know, that's going to be a solid game. Uh, Days Gone. Now, this game has kind of... When I first saw this trailer, I thought this was The Last of Us 2, and I just thought they were picking a different, you know, protagonist and just leaving it under that universe. No, no, it's a different game entirely, but it has that Last of Us feel. There's zombies involved, things like that. Um, but it follows the trailer that we saw involved a uh, pretty much this biker dude who gets, you know, searching for his brother or friend. I didn't pay too much attention to the beginning. I know, shame on me. But uh, he gets ambushed and he, you know, effectively kills off his potential attackers finds this camp where his brother's being held, and they used a lot of gameplay mechanics like, you know, baiting the enemies into a zombie horde, uh, using a lot of stealth, using a bear trap, and, you know, distractions and things like that. That looks really interesting, and I really hope there's more to it than just that, because it would be so just amazing how you can think around it. It sounds, seems like a very satisfying game when you can pull off uh, those kinds of stealth mechanics and moves and you feel really good at the end uh and the story behind it it looks really solid it looks like a great the last of us style storyline but instead of having you know an adult and a kid you now have two adults so um it'll be definitely something i look at the 
game that I felt was the highlight game of E3, and I know it's not the most popular opinion, but I was very impressed with Detroit Become Human. Uh, and to be fair, I'm a huge fan of Quantic Dream games in the first place. And yes, I get it. They all have quick time events. I get it. Press X to Jason. I've heard it all before. But it always has this really good story behind it. I've always been a fan of the stories that they tell from, you know, Fahrenheit Indigo Prophecy to Heavy Rain to Beyond Two Souls. Quantic Dream has always put out this outstanding title for a story, and that's just kept me engaged, regardless of how simplistic the gameplay might be. And Detroit Become Human is another great example of that, where you play several characters, one of whom in the trailer that we saw at E3 is this uh, android trying to start a uprising against humans. And you'll be able to do all these kinds of different things with that. And, uh, you know, the characters look very immersive. The atmosphere, the environment looks fantastic. Uh, and that's why Detroit was kind of like my go-to game. That's the game I'm most excited for uh, when it comes out for the PS4. All right, next we have Spider-Man. Now, Spider-Man had a very extensive gameplay trailer during the E3 press conference. It was the last game that they ended on, and it was absolutely phenomenal. It looks like it's a hybrid of the Spider-Man 2 for the PS2 with the web-slinging mechanics while also being part of a Arkham series, like Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, in, in terms of combat and stealth mechanics. Uh it definitely appears to be a day one purchase for me, and I know a lot of big comic book fans have been losing their minds over this game, and I am couldn't I mean I could be even more hyped for it. It's definitely probably uh, the, the second biggest game for me out of E3 behind, of course, uh, the Detroit Beyond uh, Become Human, like I had mentioned earlier. So Spider-Man looks absolutely amazing. I love all the little niche things. Miles is in the trailer, for those of you big in the comic books and fans of Spider-Man. Uh, so I think that's a nice little touch. And just the gameplay itself, it just looks so amazing. And I, the biggest thing, and something that one of my friends actually pointed out to me that really stood out during the trailer was it wasn't Spider-Man like or anybody just flinging people off of rooftops and watching them plummet to their death and stuff like that. He was actively trying to save them after he defeated them. And I think that's a really nice touch in design. Like you could have just easily skipped that whole phase of what it took countless hours. I'm sure of, you know, just letting the body just fall off the building. Okay, great. No, no, they, they went that extra mile, at least in the gameplay footage. And I think that's just a really nice attention to detail and nice touch that they put behind the game. And the reason why I'm so excited, because it, it's very Spider-Man, like it just feels like it's a Spider-Man game. And, uh, I just can't wait for this game to come out. The other huge uh, announcements from Sony during the press conference, the PSVR is getting a lot of love, uh, including uh, Bravo Team, which is some tactical first-person shooter style game, which honestly, I'm going to level with you, it didn't really impress me at all, and it also didn't impress me when they announced the Final Fantasy XV fishing game. I was kind of eh on both of those. Uh, uniquely enough, however, the two games that really stood out that looked very interesting to me, uh, from the VR world are games where it is not in a first-person scenario. It's the third-person style game. Uh, you have Star Child, which is this sci-fi style, futuristic kind of game that looks really interesting from an indie developer. And this other game called Moss. Now, the only way I can honestly describe that trailer is if Stuart Little was 
in a medieval setting. He has like this little leaf gauntlet sword thing. Uh, and it's just, you know, open roaming around in, you know, various levels, I guess. And it, it looks really interesting and different and artistic. So that's why I'm kind of like intrigued by it. Like, you know, I probably wouldn't have given this game the time of day uh, if they just threw it at me on a random Steam sale or something like that. But because the PSVR is still kind of limited right now, it's definitely a game worth at least checking out because of the lack of diversity in PSVR games. So it's coming out at just the right time and it looks really creative. I, I think I might give it a shot if I had the PSVR. Uh, I have a few of my friends who have it, and uh, I'm definitely going to have to check that out because it looks really interesting to me. The other two major announcements made are a brand new Monster Hunter game, which the trailer looks really interesting. And I, I'm not really super into Monster Hunter. At least I haven't really gotten into it. Uh, but my uh, friend Decomutate, totally is into it and he couldn't stop talking about it he is mostly hyped for that monster hunter game it's a day one purchase for him uh i have another friend named jeremis who is also really excited for the monster hunter series he's a huge fan uh, and that's the thing he said that's gonna get him to buy a ps4 is that game so really interesting stuff i'm gonna have to check that out when it comes out and then the shadow of the colossus remake which i feel is like one of the most critically acclaimed games that many people in the mainstream maybe not have had the chance to buy or chance to play or even given it a lot of look uh it's a such a great game it's so fantastic the visually stunning it's such a great story behind the game too and considering it's an open world style game uh so i'm really excited for this remake it looks gorgeous uh the only real major downside, like I had mentioned before, is the lack of updates on The Last of Us 2, Kingdom Hearts 3, and Final Fantasy 7's remake. Uh, even though I know I've said in the past I'm not all on board with the Final Fantasy 7 remake, I don't think it's going to be nearly as outstanding as the original game, and I think a lot of people will likely be disappointed in it. Um, and Kingdom Hearts 3, I couldn't care. Honestly, for me, I'm over it. You know, Kingdom Hearts 3, it's been like 12 years since Kingdom Hearts 2. Like PlayStation 2, it's been two generations of gaming consoles since we've had the last main storyline game for Kingdom Hearts 3. And you could only reinvent it and come out with spinoffs for handheld devices and stuff for so long before I just lost interest. So... Hopefully, when they give us actual gameplay trailers and things like that, I'll be a little bit more excited for it and, and it'll start ramping up again. Uh, but I just, I'm not feeling it right now currently. Now, D23, Walt Disney World's big major convention, is just around the corner, mid-July, uh, over in Los Angeles. We're likely going to hear more news about Kingdom Hearts 3 there. Uh, but until such time as that happens, I'm kind of on the fence. The Last of Us 2, now that's the game I want to know about. Because the first game absolutely blew me away. And with any luck, we'll get some more info on that soon. Uh, I know, big trademark, soon. Uh, but uh, from what I've seen so far in initial screenshots and things, it looks really interesting. But nothing there for that. That's what kind of hampers it from a full A-plus rating. Uh, all in all, though, I felt that Sony did an outstanding job with their press conference just hammering home the fact that we have a crap ton of exclusive games you're not going to find anywhere else. Which is the way I feel you need to sell a console in this day and age, in this market. Because uh, if you go straight for visuals, I feel that it's just not worth it because... 
you can do the same thing on a PC as well as a many other things on a PC. And it's just not worth it from there to just get a console when, you know, the PC just my rig right now that I have is easily twice as strong as the new Xbox One X when it comes out. So we'll see how that goes. For me, Sony really hit it out of the park for me, and they had the best press conference. I give it an A-. Finally, we had Nintendo. Now, Nintendo, I felt was going to be the the worst conference out of the bunch because we didn't hear much coming from Nintendo regarding a lot of different things. And their press conference as a whole uh, is mostly rehashed things. There's only one real game that's coming out this year that they released that looks interesting enough for me. And that's Super Mario Odyssey. They gave a lot of gameplay. Uh, They actually had a demo on the E3 floor and everybody has been coming back saying it's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey revolves a mechanic using your hat to possess various enemies. Uh, And after watching the gameplay and things... Usually this is the point where I say, this gimmick is a terrible idea. You know, it's not going to go very well. This is the thing that kind of sinks the Mario franchise. I said it with Super Mario Sunshine. I said it with Super Mario Galaxy. And you know what? I was dead wrong both times. So I'm not going to make that mistake a third time. And I'd say I'm going to be on board with it. I'm actually excited because Nintendo just has this way of presenting this seemingly ludicrous idea and it just looks absolutely fantastic. And it, and it turns out really good. So with any luck, Super Mario Odyssey will continue that trend. And I have no reason to suspect otherwise. So I'm on board with it. You know, I'm ready for it. Uh, when that game gets ready to release, it might be the reason I get a Nintendo Switch. I haven't bought purchased one just yet. Uh, largely because Breath of the Wild came out on the Wii U. Speaking of Breath of the Wild, uh, it's getting a couple of new armor packs, some items with various callbacks to the Zelda games of previous, uh, like the uh, Midna helmet from Twilight Princess, uh, a new Tingle costume, which anybody who knows me knows I hate Tingle, but I guarantee you, without any delay, within a day of that releasing, we're going to be having all these speed runs of, you know, Tingle outfit only Link fighting Ganon and, you know, you know, teabagging his corpse. It's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> so it looks really interesting. The thing that the Breath of the Wild DLC that looks really good to me is the separate adventure featuring the four uh, champions you, from the thing. So you had, like, you know, the four champions that you go out to look for in the main game. They're going to get their own, I guess, spin-off adventure. Uh, and that looks really interesting, and I'm very excited for that. <laughs> And the other thing that I think is interesting that Nintendo is doing is they're releasing all of it as a part of one major pack for $20. Uh, I'm kind of on board with that because, honestly, I would pay about $20 just for the adventure alone. I just feel that the uh, with the extra dungeon that's coming out with it, I felt like the armor packs and the extra items and the amiibo compatibility, those are all just nice to have. It's it's It's... The whipped cream and cherry on top of a nice large sundae with a, a new adventure and dungeons thing, things like that. The uh, Rocket League. Hey, coming to the Switch. It's going to have its own exclusive types of hats so you can uh, cruise around in your Minch cap or your uh, Mario cap, I guess. Uh, and basically with Rocket League and Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, those games are already established. Uh, so what are we looking forward to that's new Aside from Super Mario Odyssey, 
the Switch unveiled two huge bombshells. One, it confirmed the long-standing rumor that there is, in fact, a Pokemon RPG coming for the Switch. Not much details coming out with it just yet, but we know it's coming. That's very exciting. The second major announcement, Metroid Prime 4. Uh, I It took me a while to warm up to the Metroid Prime series, because when I first played it, I felt that it was kind of meh. I wasn't really a big fan. I didn't like the pendulum back and forth kind of thing but over time i realized that's what makes a metroid game fantastic and it took me a while to really warm up to it but over time i got really into it and i was a huge fan uh by the time metroid prime 3 came out so it's been a long time since we've had a new prime game uh, and we're really stoked for metroid prime 4 it's also you know starting in development no real release date yet uh, but it is it's something that generated a lot of buzz and a lot of hype on the interwebs uh, with people getting very excited for that. All in all, with Nintendo's announcement, since it was a very short press conference, um, I gave it a C, you know, just average. And the reason why is the only real game that had any kind of major announcing for, that had a release date, that had full-on gameplay footage and stuff that wasn't already released, it was Super Mario Odyssey. You know, we have some add-ons to Breath of the Wild. That's great, they're awesome, but Mario Odyssey was the one focal game that was released and demonstrated in E3. Uh, Rocket League, we all know what that is already. Pokemon RPG and Metroid Prime 4, we just got, you know, super short teaser trailers, and I feel that we're going to hear a lot more of that. I mean, you're you're not going to see those games, I feel, at least until Christmas of 2018. So it's another year off, I would think, at least, uh, before we got to see those games. So Next year, Nintendo could really hit the hammer home with E3 in their press conference. This year, though, I felt that they kind of took a step back a little bit. I had to give it a solid C. So there's our lineup for the whole um, E3 press conference for the entire those three days. Uh, another thing that I just wanted to point out that I noticed a lot of people talking about was the fact that they felt that Sony dropped the ball because of major release dates. Like they didn't give a lot of release dates. They were very ambiguous with all of their titles. And they're right, you know, it's going to be a while before these games come out, I would imagine. But I'm okay with it if for no other reason, for two reasons, actually. One, uh, I'm glad that they don't just name a release date just to have a release date and then end up getting delayed or pushed back. You know, at least they're being upfront with the fact that, hey, we don't know when these games are going to be ready just yet. But two, if they're putting in this extra time to polish the game, to make them really solid, because like I said, Sony banked everything on their exclusive line this year. They want their games to be as their unique games only for PS4 to be as exceptional and amazing as possible. So for them to be able to really hit it out of the park, they're going to need to make sure those games are a number one games. So if that means waiting a little bit longer to get my hands on all of these awesome sounding games, I'm fine with that. That doesn't affect me too much. That's why I still gave Sony that A minus rating. Uh, But All in all, the big winners out of E3, I don't like to name companies as winners. The gamers are the winners here. They are the ones that get to actually sample these things that are coming from all these different developers because the competition is intense right now in the video game industry. And I think that's a great thing for us as gamers to play the best possible games that these developers can come up with. So we want to hear your thoughts. 
visit our Facebook page over at the Gamer Feedback. Leave us your thoughts on our podcast uh, and what you think uh, are games that you're very interested in uh, for the upcoming year and what was displayed over at E3. Uh, be sure to follow us over at the Gamer Feedback's Twitter page at Gamer Feedback. Follow us on and like us on Facebook. Uh, and also subscribe and check out www.thegamerfeedback.com for all of your video game reviews, uh, as well as uh, we're also helping out short-term and small-time streamers find a larger audience, so give them some love over on our website, too. But until next time, this is Jersey Devil saying, GGWP, happy E3 season, everyone, and we'll see you next time.